Hi, this is Barbara Wainwright and Linda Galicchio. We are here with our books, The Power of Now, A Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment, written by Eckhart Tolle, and we hope you have your copy to follow along. Good morning, Linda. Hey, Barbara. Great to be here today with you and everybody out there. All right. We are in the chapter, You Are Not Your Mind, and the section we're reading is Enlightenment, Rising Above Thought. Isn't it essential in order to survive in this world? Your mind is an instrument, a tool. It is there to be used for a specific task. And when the task is completed, you lay it down. As it is, I would say about 80 to 90% of most people's thinking is not only repetitive and useless, but because of its dysfunctional and often negative nature, much of it is also harmful. Observe your mind, and you will find this is true. It causes a serious leakage of vital energy. This kind of compulsive thinking is actually an addiction. What characterizes an addiction? Quite simply this. You no longer feel that you have the choice to stop. It seems stronger than you. It also gives you a false sense of pleasure, pleasure that invariably turns to pain. I really like this chapter I've just been practicing a lot about this chapter. And let me just tell you an example of what I think about it here. I love when it says your mind is useless. A lot of people say, my mind's not useless. What are you talking about? It's useless as something that you identify yourself as. Let's say you're going to go to an interview tomorrow and you identify yourself as, oh, gee, I'm probably not going to get the interview. Well, you're saying that you, the person you in your mind, has all that ability to get you the interview. And that's not really how it works. So, for instance, our default is our negative nature. And it's dysfunctional because most of the thoughts we have are not real. So I'm going to give you an example of this. Last night, I was trying to go to bed, and I want to stay in the present. So I know that if I close my eyes and I just be me, and no thinking, it's called no mind in the Eastern world, just not concentrating on anything, no thoughts. And all of a sudden the thought came through and they're going to. And so it came through and it said something, oh, you're gonna do this tomorrow, you're so excited. I'm really excited about doing this. And then I want to follow the thought, but the idea is not to follow the thought because even if you do, whether it's real or not, it's gonna be in the past or the future. And we're not in the past or the future, we're in the present. And the present allows peace. The past or the future don't. But it so wants to pull you into it because it feels good. It was feeling good to me to think about something I was going to do the next day. It doesn't always have to be negative. It was fun and I wanted to go with it. I wanted to let it take me to places that I felt good about. Why should we be addicted to thinking? Because you are identified with it, which means that you derive your sense of self from the content and the activity of your mind, because you believe that you would cease to be if you stopped thinking. As you grow up, you form a mental image of who you are based on your personal and cultural conditioning. We may call this phantom self the ego. It consists of mind activity and can only be kept going through constant thinking. The term ego means different things to different people, but when I use it here, it means a false self created by unconscious identification with the mind. The egoic mind is powerful, and I believe 
that a lot of the thoughts that come into our head come from past influences or influencers that have programmed us with thoughts that may or may not serve us. I've heard the figure of 70% of the time that we're, when we're growing up and we hear information, that that information is negative. You're not going to make it, you're stupid, all those kinds of negative input that we get when we're kids. And it might be from other kids or it might be from parents that didn't know better. When we have our ego or our mind running, it's from neural pathways that were created when we were younger and didn't have a filter on to say, that's not true for me. A lot of time, I believe the ego is just repeating things that, that it heard are basically going down the old neural pathways that were developed when we were zero to we were seven. And because the, they're there and we're not conscious and we haven't reprogrammed all those neural pathways, we're having negative thoughts continuously. And to be conscious of the fact that we have thoughts that don't serve us or we have thoughts that are egoic mind-based is a path to salvation from that egoic mind chatter. Yeah, Barbara, I really like that. It's, it's so interesting. So what it brings up for me too is if you think about it, you were always told how to think when you're growing up. Then you went to school and your teachers taught you what to think. And then, you know, your peers. And so all the way through, and then you get older, and then you do what society, culture, and your conditioned ego all along will tell you what's best for you. From all those years, from all those people that put all that stuff in your mind, that's really your ego. And it really suffocates that true being who you are that really knows who you are. The idea for healing is to chip away at all of those conditioning egoic issues that aren't true for you. And when you get older and you're healing, you look at those, at least I do, and I say, did I really believe that? I didn't really believe that. That's not me. And so I take that away. So it's like a chipping away of that ego and other people's issues and things that they tell you to do when you know and how do you know? You just know in your heart that that's not right for you. And that's the reason that we want to get to the light, to the who we really are, because that's where our answers are. Yeah, and I like the, you know, the title of this section, Rising Above Thought, because that is where you'll find peace and serenity and your true self. All yes. right, next paragraph. To the ego, the present moment hardly exists. Only past and future are considered important. This total reversal of the truth accounts for the fact that in the ego mode, the mind is so dysfunctional. It is always concerned with keeping the past alive because without it, who are you? It constantly projects itself into the future to ensure its continued survival and to seek some kind of release or fulfillment there. It says, one day when this or that or the other happens, I am going to be okay, happy, at peace. Even when the ego seems to be concerned with the present, it is not the present that it sees. It misperceives it completely because it looks at it through the eyes of the past. Or it reduces the present to a means to an end, an end that always lies in the mind-projected future. Observe your mind and you'll see that this is how it works. The present moment holds the key to liberation 
but you cannot find the present moment as long as you are your mind. That's great. Eckhart says you are the unchanging. So it's funny because I taught a class and I would ask people, and I'm sure you've been asked at some point, who are you? People would tell me uh, I'm a nurse, I'm a mom, I'm a dad, I'm a mother, father, sister, brother, and accept that it's not who your true being is. Your true being is that which doesn't change. The other things can change and will change. The world changes, and so do we. We become dust, and everything in the world changes, but who we are never changes. Beautiful. All right, so the next question or statement is... (laughs) I don't want to lose my ability to analyze and discriminate. I wouldn't mind learning to think more clearly in a more focused way, but I don't want to lose my mind. The gift of thought is the most precious thing we have. Without it, we would just be another species of animal. And my contention is we already have lost them. And Eckhart says, we're totally insane. And the reason we're totally insane is because we don't really know who we are. We're that which does not change. That's beautiful. The predominance of mind is no more than a stage in the evolution of consciousness. We need to go on to the next stage now as a matter of urgency. Otherwise, we will be destroyed by the mind, which has grown into a monster. I will talk about this in more detail later. Thinking and consciousness are not synonymous. Thinking is only a small aspect of consciousness. Thought cannot exist without consciousness, but consciousness does not need thought. So Barbara, does that mean... Thought cannot exist without consciousness, okay? So that's who we are, consciousness. But consciousness does not need thought, okay? So therefore, we don't need our mind. I know, it's really hard to think of not needing our mind. Enlightenment means rising above thought, not falling back to a level below thought, the level of an animal or plant. In the enlightened state, you still use your thinking mind when needed but in a much more focused and effective way than before. You use it mostly for practical purposes, but you are free of the involuntary internal dialogue, and there is inner stillness. When you do use your mind, and particularly when a creative solution is needed, you oscillate every few minutes or so between thought and stillness, between mind and no mind. No mind is consciousness without thought. Only in that way is it possible to think creatively. Because only in that way does thought have any real power. Thought alone, when it is no longer connected with the much much vaster realm of consciousness, quickly becomes barren, insane, destructive. I think that's because our ego has a survival mechanism, right? It's about survival and fight and flight and just keeping ourselves alive. There's an instinct that we have that also is involved with that and I think when we get quiet and we still our mind and we have that peace that comes over us and we can feel it in every cell of our being when we allow that peace to fall over us and and quiet the mind and get into that still place that's when we feel invincible (laughs) because we are we are invincible we are forever we're spiritual beings having a human experience and we get in touch with that spiritual aspect of 
our being and our true essence of who we are, that's when we know true peace. If we allow that egoic mind and that thought to keep running, that's what keeps us in that state, which he calls insane and destructive. This is a, a heavy section. <laughs> it is. It is. That's right, Barbara. Really true. Everything is stillness. It's on the background of stillness. The other day, it was so interesting because the electricity went out. So my husband and I went for a walk. There was no noise. There was only a bird or two. And wow, it felt like I was in a totally different place. Where we were was in stillness, total stillness. And it just felt so good. So the background to all of our noise making and our talking and our this and our that is always on a background of stillness. We wouldn't know what we were saying or hear what we were saying unless everything was still. So to go back to that stillness without the electricity was really, was really phenomenal. Mm -hmm. The mind is essentially a survival machine, attack and defense against other minds, gathering, storing, and analyzing information. This is what it is good at, but it is not at all creative. All true artists, whether they know it or not, create from a place of no mind from inner stillness. The mind then gives form to the creative impulse or insight. Even the great scientists have recorded that their creative breakthroughs came at a time of mental quietude. The surprising result of a nationwide inquiry among America's most eminent mathematicians, including Einstein, to find out their working methods was that thinking plays only a subordinate part in the brief decisive phase of the creative act itself. So I would say that the simple reason why the majority of scientists are not creative is not because they don't know how to think, but because they don't know how to stop thinking. I understand that because when I was working in software development and I didn't have the answer to a problem that I was trying to solve, I would go inside and take a deep breath. Sometimes I would sleep on it and wake up with the answer, but I always went into that still place and, and asked for guidance and asked for the answers. And when I'd wake up in the morning, the answers would be right there. It was like magic, but that was from a non-thinking yeah. place. I couldn't think my way through it. I had to get quiet and still and allow the answer to come to me. Very Absolutely, good. Barbara, yes. It wasn't through the mind, through thinking, that the miracle that is life on earth or your body were created and are being sustained. There is clearly an intelligence at work that is far greater than the mind. How can a single human cell measuring one one thousandth of an inch across certain instructions within its DNA that would fill 1,000 books of 600 pages each the more we learn about the workings of the body, the more we realize just how vast is the intelligence at work within it and how little we know. When the mind reconnects with that, it becomes a most wonderful tool. It then serves something greater than itself. Wow, that's wonderful. See, I, and we don't realize, myself included, or at least I'll say for me, I don't realize how absolutely brilliant we are in the way that we can do so much more. We are so much more. We are more creative. We just don't know it yet. Our evolution just hasn't brought us to that fact yet, but we will. Yes. And 
I think the whole premise here is that connecting with all that is, when we quiet our mind and we get rid of the egoic mind and all that mind chatter and all that thinking that's going on, and we get still and we become present and we acknowledge and be with that spiritual energy and the spiritual guidance that we can tap into and get, that's when we become alive. That's what he's saying here. That's when we get creative. That's when we allow the universe or God or spirit or angels, whatever you want to call it, that's when we allow that energy to fill us up from our head to our toes and we expand that energy around us. And it doesn't only impact us, it impacts people that come into our presence as well. Yes. Yes, Barbara. Sometimes don't you feel that I know you're a very spiritual soul, and I know that people are very attracted to you, attracted to your goodness and your light. Can you feel that sometimes with people? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. It's not something that I'm consciously aware of, but I see the impact later, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that was a lot of great information and our egoic minds are going yeah that was really cool <laughs> and our spiritual minds are going yes but let's be present <laughs> <laughs> yes like the ego is, uh, inner being is yes exactly oh gosh yeah. i feel the spiritual energy they can connect to that inner life and that inner world and that beautiful spiritual energy that is ever pervasive in everything that's living and allow the mind chatter to just fall away and be present that's where the peace is that's where the creativity is that's where the aliveness is i think the message here is do your best to allow your mind chatter to quiet down acknowledge the thoughts but let them go and get into the still place within where all peace love harmony and creativity resides yes yeah beautiful part okay well until next week, we're so glad to have you here. We're having the best time doing this work. I think it's so important, especially now in the time yes. in which we live. We all know the tensions and the craziness of it all. But my belief is that it's here to turn us around and point us in the direction of what really is and the light. Yes. So see you next week. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye now. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to go deeper into a spiritual conversation and perhaps even earn a credential as a certified spiritual coach, we encourage you to go to our website, lifecoachtrainingonline.com and check out our courses or give us a call at 800-711-4346.